Blog Talk Radio. Well, good morning, folks, and I hope everyone is having a really rock solid Tuesday morning. I know that I am. You know, it's uh, there's not a cloud in the sky. The harbor was was just flat and gorgeous. Not a lot of fishing boats going out this morning. You know, we're we're headed into that last couple of weeks of the season where we start to just wind down and settle down until snowbirds hit. So I got some good reflection time, no pun intended, just sitting there looking at the at the harbor today. You know, it's it's with excitement but yet sadness that we finish this book, The Angel Inside, Michelangelo's Secrets for Following Your Passion and Finding Work That You Love. But I can tell you, this has been a catalyst for a new training series that I'm actually creating that is going to be put onto a, a, a flash drive. We're going to be marketing this next month. And I'm using some interactive stuff, not on Michelangelo, but really following your passion. You know, when I look back in history, from Michelangelo to to more current, matter of fact, just in a couple weeks, we'll be celebrating the 10th anniversary of the Twin Towers. And as I watch the construction, as I watch the men and women who are building that, I realize we still have craftsmen today. A lot of us work on the Internet, and and we don't get to see that final project. But it made me realize there are some some beautiful things that we can do. And and if we follow our passion, sky's the limit. In the old days, it wasn't about following the money. And I know people sometimes say, Troy, I think you're wrong. Look Look at capitalism. Look at industrial age. The industrial age wasn't about the money. Money is always a byproduct of what it is you're going after. When when the, the boys that created the first railroads decided to go across Continental, it wasn't about the money. It was about the challenge. They were opening up new ground. They were pioneers. So ask yourself, as we come to a close today, what it is that you're a pioneer of? What is it that you need to be breaking new ground on? In this last chapter, Chris titles it, No One Starts with the Sistine Chapel. And I thought this was profound. I wish my sons found enough value in the radio show to get on it or to listen to the archives because I think this would help them. He shuts out, he says, Live your life and do your work in the embodiment of excellence and opportunities will flow your way. People cannot, they will not, turn an eye away from excellence. And I truly believe that. You know, as we left off the old man and Thomas yesterday, they were finishing up their dinner, relaxing and enjoying each other's company. Thomas said, what's my final lesson? He said, your final lesson is no one starts with the Sistine Chapel. And Thomas said, catchy title. The old man smiled and said, why, thank you, with an accompanying wink. But let me tell you what I mean by that. He said, many young people like yourself and even anyone at the beginning stages of a new venture for that matter pressure themselves to produce tremendous results as soon as they start. Man, I see that in network marketing all the time. Produce, 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 produce versus getting ready and understanding what it is you're going to do and understanding that you're going to have some, some trips and, and foul-ups and you may have to start over on a project. 
Instead, it's it's the pressure producing. Thomas said, shouldn't they? The old man said, life isn't like that, Thomas. In theory, it should work, but in reality, it rarely does. Let me give you an example from the life of Michelangelo. You see, Michelangelo, while being known for the painting of the Sistine Chapel, certainly didn't start with that. There were three other pieces of work that he did over a period of years before this that brought him one by one to a higher and higher step of achievement. Each project took him to the next level. As I stopped and read that, I thought of my own 30-year career in direct selling. Each stage took me to a different height, to a different level. Each stage allowed me to earn more money and, and, and to do greater things and to help more people. Each stage gave me a little bit more influence, a little bit more voice. I thought, man, this is so true what he's writing. He said, it's funny. At 111, they brought him to that higher achievement, accumulating in his work on the Sistine Chapel. The old man said, when Michelangelo was 17, he did a low-relief project in marble called the Battle of Centurios. This is what Michelangelo, this put Michelangelo on the map, so to speak. It was a phenomenal work for anyone, let alone a 17-year-old. So he achieved something as a young man, but more certain, but more was certainly to come. Something small, something unique, something precious. And it put him on the map. Now here's what I want us to analyze a minute. The map in Michelangelo's lifestyle was very small compared to the map today. So it gave him influence in his community. He was very good at it. The people in his community saw what he was capable of doing. Do the people in your community see what you're capable of doing? See, in Michelangelo's day, we didn't have social media. We didn't have the Internet. We didn't even have newspapers like we do today. So it wasn't like overnight he became a sensation. The old man said his next big project was what I believe not only Michelangelo's most magnificent work, but the greatest sculpture ever done. Really? What was it? It's called the Piata. Do you know it? Thomas thought for a minute. He said, well, it does sound vaguely familiar. Some would argue that two other statues were the next big things. And, of course, they were good works. But what I see in the Piata, I think I'm saying that right, P-I-E-T-A, as the next monumental piece in Michelangelo's history. Well, what were the other two, Thomas asked? He said the first was St. Pro Proclus. Man, I tell you what, God didn't make me Italian, so it's hard to say these words. The second was the Baracus. Both were wonderfully done, but the Piata, the old man closed his eyes, obviously picturing the sculptor in his mind and savoring its beauty. Thomas looked at him and said, that good, huh? The old man opened his eyes. The Piata is simply stunning. He said, Thomas, did you go to St. Peter's in Rome? He said, no, I skipped that. 
He goes, unfortunate. You will have to come back someday and bring someone with you. Everyone should see the piano. You have me intrigued. What is it, Thomas said. The old man was smiling. He said, the piata is breathtaking. I can barely describe it, and I know it as well as anyone. Nothing I can say would do justice to the beauty of its work. Now, for some of you, you won't get the meaning of what I'm about to say, and for others, it may bring a tear to your eye. It was the sculpture of Mary seated with a dead Christ lying in her lap. She gazes down at her dead son in a moving, disturbing, haunting, and yet inspiring. Yes, you must see it sometimes, sometime, Thomas. See, as I've studied this book, listening to Michelangelo, I mean to Chris, write about Michelangelo, I realized that there was much deeper spiritual meaning to each each piece of Michelangelo's work. All of a sudden it it's it just accumulated with me in this last chapter what Chris was getting at. See, if we don't have this type of passion for our work, passion to be able to to get the emotion inside of what we're doing, how do we expect others to emotionally follow us? In this case here, the old man is vividly able to envision Mary holding her son, not the Christ of the world. See, here's here's where it's a little different. Mary wasn't holding... Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, the only way to heaven, the only begotten Son of God. She was cradling in her lap her 30-year-old son. Now understand, Mary's only going to be in her late 40s. All you got to do is go read history. You'll, you'll get her age and Jesus' age and you realize that their life together had been very close. There's mothers listening today. Think about this for a second. You're holding your dead son in your lap. Moms and dads are supposed to go before their sons. Michelangelo had such a creative side, such a passionate side, He was able to get that picture. You need to look it up on the Internet if you can. Look it up in an encyclopedia. It's a magnificent piece of art. When you just sit here... See, this is something that I've learned. Now, understand, I am just a... I, I don't even know the terminology. I grew up thinking I was a badass. I'll just put it that way. Violence, fighting, anger, frustration. I mean, it was prevalent in our early, I mean, our whole family early on. So to to grow into an adult and have have the emotions, my wife calls me an alpha beta male. I don't have a clue what that means. I just know that I get as much enjoyment out of romantic movies as I do action movies. So maybe that's what it is. But anyway, to be able to to look at art 
and go beyond it, to be able to look at movies and go beyond them, to be able to realize that there's more to life, and if we will just grasp our own movie, where it can go. But we have to understand we cannot start at the top. I've been a I've been a student of Tony Robbins for decades. And something that I just fully disagree with Tony Robbins on is he says cut through the chatter, just go directly to the to the top. Every time he's mastered something, he didn't go through the the process. He went to the top and told the master, "Tell me why I need to do this and I'll master it." I think that's cool. Tony can do that. But I think when you do that, you leave out so much of the emotional connection to whatever it is you're doing. In Chris's book, The Angel Inside, we don't get to we don't get that opportunity. He makes it clear we gotta break stuff away from us. We gotta move deeper into it. We've gotta we've gotta become the person of influence, the person of excellence. The old man quickly turned back to the original topic. Number three, can you guess what it is? And Thomas said, it must be the David. Correct. And of course, number four was the Sistine Chapel. The most dramatic painting ever established. It is better than anything Leonardo did, I believe. There are a few important, le- there are a few important lessons to learn from this bit of history. This is what I love about it. He said, Thomas, as I said, no one starts with the Sistine Chapel. Most people cannot accomplish their masterpieces until they have gone through the process of growing and learning from their experiences. I believe this is why the book of Proverbs is so prevalent in a person's life. Just one little verse, iron sharpens iron. Another little verse, we create our plans, but God directs our path. When you look at these small, poetic points of wisdom, principles to live by, you start to see that that whether it's Chris's book or the book of Proverbs or whatever, you start to see some importance to it. Of course, there's always going to be a few exceptions. And those exceptions are what we grab a hold of. Those exceptions are what we look at. Those exceptions are what we hope our kids will become. But for the vast majority of people, their life work is a process and a progress. We grow into the person we are to become. I have a song that I just love. And it basically says, the man I was is why I am the man I am today. It's through that refining process. When I thought of the beauty... of what Chris is describing here, I thought of several events in my life where I could have been that son. As a bounty hunter, you go through several situations. A few years ago, Bon Jovi brought out a song called Looking Down the Barrel of a Gun, and until you've actually done that, there's no way to fathom the feeling that goes through your mind. And I thought of how many situations that I put myself into and 
several of those situations was coming face-to-face with someone with a gun. Not a gun at their side, but a gun pointed at me and, and vice versa. One small incident could have changed my life forever. And I thought about how everything is a process, everything is a progress. As a young, naive, stupid, wet-behind-the-ears, badass boy, none of that seemed to matter at the moment. But now that I'm a 47-year-old grandpa... everything becomes relevant. Each stage of my life, when I see it relived through my boys, makes me think. My dad didn't just raise me tough. He raised me to experience life. My boys haven't had to experience the life that I had to experience. In some ways, they've experienced others. There's no doubt about that. Each generation does. But in a couple of cases, I realize I still have a long road to hoe with my boys to train them and to teach them, as well as my father taught me. As I read through this chapter, emotions rang true. I thought of the chipping of the sculpting, of the polishing that has taken place, and much more to be done. I thought, man, I'm nowhere close to painting my Sistine Chapel. There's so much more to be accomplished, so much more to be done. Chris writes this, and I thought it was so profound. He said, I mean that young people... While they can do wonderful work and they bring so much energy and vigor, they must go through the process of life and experience. They must become accomplished. They must achieve the excellence at each stage of their life that will propel them to the next stage. They must meet the people who will open the doors for them and help them to produce their work of beauty and power. Many young people... And I think you as well, Thomas, are too impatient to feel comfortable allowing their lives to unfold. You will soon learn the brevity of life, Thomas. But there's another lesson here. But before I go on to that lesson, I believe as adults, part of our responsibility in life is to grab a hold of that next generation, those around us, and try to give them some of our life experience, whether they accept it or not, so relevant. If we give it to them, the nuggets of wisdom, as Chris wrote earlier in this book, will stick. He said, here's the next lesson. Whatever you have is your work. Do it with excellence. Excellence is what will open the door for further opportunity. Many young people want opportunity, but there is a secret for the ages. Live your life and do your work in the embodiment of excellence, and opportunities will flow your way. People cannot, they will not, turn away from excellence. 
this has been one of the greatest years in my life. And the reason it is, and I'm talking about in my work life more than anything, because doors have opened that I would never dream of. I mean, think about this for a second. I have become very close to multi-million dollar businessmen. Now, I don't use the word multi-million to say woo-woo, but here's what I want you to realize. I'm not at that level financially, but yet they see me as a peer when it comes to excellence. Because what I try to do is help those on their, their teams, those in their companies, reach a greater level of excellence than where they are today. These businessmen understand he isn't coming to us to learn from us so that he can take from us. He wants to gain wisdom so he can give back to our people. Chris Widener's that way. Many others are that way. Michelangelo was that way. I mean, think about this for a second. If you do everything that you can with excellence and you're living your passion... Wouldn't that rock to be able to be paid a lot of money to do what you enjoy? We just went through the football strike, and I shake my head every time I see an athlete striking. What are they striking for? They're living their passion, except you know what's happened? They're not playing the game because they love the game anymore. They're playing the game because they're going to get money. Man, money better be the byproduct. You will never be the best you can be if it's only money that you're looking at. I'm just, I tell you, that's, it, it, you can take that to the bank. See, what we have to do is we have to be present. We have to live in the moment. We can make our plans. We can, we can plan for the future, and we need to do that. But we need to live in the present. There's not a day goes by that I don't get enough of my wife. There's not a day goes by that I don't get enough of my kids. But one of these days, all of my kids and my grandkids will be gone. And then, I will still not get enough of my wife. I always want that feeling. I want that to be there through eternity. Because she, to me, is one of my greatest masterpieces. Not because I've created her, but because I've learned from her. And every day that I learn from her, I find something new. And it's like, wow, what a blessing. If I didn't live in the present and notice all her beauty, I'd miss something. We need the visions that are going to propel us to the future. But listen to what Chris writes here. Yes, we should dream. We should have visions of what lies ahead of us, but what will take us there is not the dream, but the excellence we demonstrate each and every day. It is the excellence we display in our work that will stand the test of time. The excellence in our relationships will pay its dividend later on in life when someone we meet and we're kind to returns the favor and gives us an opportunity that we may not otherwise have had. It is the excellence in our character that will provide us with the foundation of a life 
lived in every area. I want to stop right there. I had a gentleman today over on Facebook send me a message. And he said, Troy, thank you so much for connecting with me. He goes, I'm one of those Internet gurus that you talk about. And in one of your videos, you made a comment that we have responsibility for the people who follow us. Because when we join a company, we're going to make a lot of money. But if it's the wrong company, we'll hurt those people underneath us. He goes, I took that to heart. And I started looking for very good companies to join. He goes, I think you're overly hard on people sometimes, but there's nobody can say that you are not fair and balanced. Well, that meant a lot to me because that's character-driven. And here's one individual who makes a whole lot more money than I do, was able to learn one nugget of wisdom that I grabbed from people like Chris Widener and Rod Cook and Rich Brooke. I mean, all these guys. This is what's so... I I get so excited about this. Chris writes, In the end, we reflect back in our lives as people who are deeply satisfied not only in what we've accomplished, but even more importantly, in what we have become. As an authentic follower of Jesus... My ultimate objective is to walk daily like Jesus would if he was here in in 21st century. Man, daggum, that's hard. But that's how I am in my spiritual walk. In 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 my business life, I have people that I aspire to and I want to be like them too because they've walked a life of character. In my personal life, I have men that I want to be more like because they've walked a life of character with their spouses and with their families. That's where you need to be today in your life. Enjoy your life now and live your life through excellence. Become the person whom others will be proud to know. That could be the definition of success right there. Enjoy life now, live your life with excellence, and become the person you want others to know. Always do the best. Well, as they finished up, the old man said, you know, it's time I retire and you need to go to bed, but let's connect tomorrow. But before he left, the old man gave him all of his lessons that he had learned. Find the angel inside of you. Follow your passion. Be confident in your strength. The beauty's in the details. The hand creates what the mind conceives. Plan and prepare. Start with swift action. Embrace the stages of chipping, sculpting, sanding, and polishing. Sometimes success takes years, so be content. And no one starts with the Sistine Chapel. Thomas took those to bed. The next morning he got up because he had to leave by 6 a.m., so him and the old man met in a little plaza. And as they finished chatting, Thomas said goodbye And he said, sir, I never did ask you your name. He said, you can call me Mr. Bornanario. I didn't say that right, but that's it. Okay, then, Mr. Bornanarity. I think that's how you say it. Goodbye for now. He turned to leave, and he kept thinking, Bornanarito. I think that's how you say it. Bornanarito. 
all of a sudden it dawned on him. On the plaques, that was Michelangelo's last name. He stopped in his tracks, spun back around, but the old man was gone. The old man, Michelangelo himself, was gone. An amazing ending to a story with so many principles inside. From a gringo who can't even pronounce the names right, but yet I think you get the drift. Today's the first day of the rest of your life you have a choice to make. Do you live it with excellence? Do you find the angel inside? Or do you keep living that mundane life? Now, we're going to change gears tomorrow, okay? Some of you may not want to hang out with us for a while, but I'm going to go into a nuts and bolts book because people have asked for it. One of my good friends, Michael Magovanik, I can't ever say his name right either. We're we're hanging out over on Empire, uh, uh, Empire Plaza or whatever it's called and over on Facebook. But he wrote a book, The Social Media Symphony. And I really want to go into this book and help people understand how to use the Internet correctly in their business. So we're going to switch gears. Uh, through that in the next few weeks, next few days, I guess. I'll have it done in a week or so. But, uh, folks, man, thanks for hanging out with me every day. We'll get back into some of these these leadership-led books here before too long. Live life like it's an epic adventure. I'll see you at the top. Be back here tomorrow with me on realmentorsradio.com. <laughs>